0: I want you all to just be praying for this praise team up here, the, the band, the worship leaders, and thanking the Lord for them, and, and just praying that the Lord will do all he wants to do in their hearts. I, I, I just believe we're, we're blessed with an amazingly talented group of men and women and who are, help us in our worshiping and, and our corporate gathering. But I'm going to tell you, I I just believe there's there's something more that the Lord's wanting to do with this group up here. I don't don't know what it is, but I've I've told you before, I'm looking forward to the time when there's no need for preaching. You know, it's just all about praising and all about just lifting our hearts up to Him. And and I can can be a part of the congregation instead of having to all the time necessarily be the preacher. I love getting to do what I do. But if I had to pick, I'd rather rather worship than I had preach, and I love us being led by these ones, so thank you. Thank you. Here's a statement that I pray that by the time we finish these next few minutes, there'll be enough evidence that you'll believe, be convinced, that it's a true statement. Here it is. What God gives you, He gives you permission and He gives you weapons to defend. What God gives you. He gives you weapons to defend. The assumption being there's permission to exercise those weapons. But I want to say this again. And if you put that, uh, the graphic up, please. What God gives you, He gives you weapons to defend. Now, you see that picture. And that's a picture of a warrior and armory, weapons of war in the natural. But what we're talking about coming from last weekend into today is not about natural warfare. It is about spiritual warfare. A premise to that statement is it is the spiritual that controls the physical, not the physical controlling the spiritual. It is the invisible that determines the visible. The the young man who went in and shot up the Uvalde Elementary School, it began at an invisible place in him and it resulted in physical demonstration. This is the Bible worldview. This is how your scripture explains, answers, addresses certain issues. Evil physically expressed begins with evil invisibly present. Paul is going to say, and we read it last week, we'll come back to it this morning, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. We have been given weapons that are not of the flesh, that are not physical pistols and knives and AR and bombs. But we have been given weapons, my brothers and sisters, that whether we accept them, and ever use them or not, Paul will say in that passage, they are understood by God. They are understood in God's eyes to be supernaturally powerful for the destruction of invisible fortresses. With the power to take thoughts captive and make those thoughts obey Jesus Christ not thoughts in you necessarily, but thoughts in somebody else. Pride, we're tearing down lofty things, prideful things that are causing things to be done against that which Paul would believe this is Territory. This is the sphere that belongs to me. You as the Corinthian church, he would say, because I was the first to be sent to you and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are the sphere that God gave me. And in that sphere that God has given me in that place of his assignment, in the spot where he placed me in what he has given me, he has given me authority to defend. That's the context for that. Paul was being accused, his, his uh, the right to call himself an apostle was being questioned by some. His, they were coming against him because of the way he looked or the way he talked. They would say he, he writes tough letters, but when he's here, he's not that impressive. He speaks in a, in a tone of voice that's hard to listen to. You just look at him and he's not much to look at. He says, they're addressing me in the physical. But he said, even though I walk in this body, even though I may be short of stature and squeaky of speech, the weapons of my warfare to protect what God has given me are mighty unto God, mighty in God's eyes for the demolition of fortresses. And he says, right now, as I'm, Writing this, I'm exercising the weapons of my warfare, taking every thought captive, pulling down prideful strongholds and causing logic, thought patterns of thought that seem to make sense to the ones who are spewing them, that the reason they're so strong is they're convinced that what they're believing is true, when in the sight of God, it's dead wrong. They may be thoroughly convinced, but never forget, folks, Satan has a PhD in human reason. He knows how to tell you a lie in the way that you would be convinced it's the truth. He knows how to work those spots in our brains and in our emotions, and he can spin a lie and make it sound like the truth. But the spirit inside of us can recognize, but that's wrong. That's not the truth. And Paul's recognizing that what they were saying about him, what they were saying about his role in the church, what they were saying about what God had given to him, their conclusions were exactly opposite of God's heart, God's plan. So he says these weapons that God has given me, or for the purpose of building you up, not tearing you down. But when I have to, in order to protect you, I will exercise the weapons of this warfare in which we've given. When you see that, I ask for there to be a representative picture of such that when someone would look at that picture, they would say, the last thing I ever want to do is make those people mad. The last thing I ever want to do is challenge the force and authority represented in that physical armor. We're not talking about physical. We're talking about spiritual. But here's a question worthy of our consideration this morning. When Satan looks at you, When Satan looks at you, when Satan looks at what God has given you, what does he see? Does he see a soft target? A soft target. it's, It's lush in its provision and its supply, but it's never defended. There's no threat to his encroachment. I can tell you that Satan may be raising Cain in some of our homes and some of our lives because we have succumbed to the lie that it's all physical. Physical determines the spiritual. Spiritual is not all that important. It's all about what you can see. And as a result, we're gutted. We're a soft target. And the enemy can come and go without ever being challenged. But I'm going to tell you, when you realize that what God has given you in a marriage with children, your job, your position, the things that he has given you, when you recognize that the enemy wants that, Satan wants that, He wants to take that from you. You can't see him, but the scripture would say that Jesus would say. He's come to steal and kill and destroy. But when you realize that you don't have to sit there and take it. You don't have to be a soft target. But that you can recognize the weapons that God has given you. To rise up in defense of what God has given you. And you exercise those weapons against the darkness. Satan may not quit forever bothering you. But I will tell you this. If you cease to be a soft target where he just comes and goes and comes and goes. Does what he wants to do. When you cease being that because you are understanding the weapons that the Lord has given you, with permission to use them, with the assignment to use them, Satan, though he may not stop forever, he'll understand, I think I'll spend my time at some other places where I'm not getting my head blown off, or I'm not being shot back. When Jesus addressed the demons and he cast them out, and they were sent into the waterless places, wherever they were sent, it was his authority that did that. And that was the authority of Jesus before he was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And on on the heels of all of that, given the name that was above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. When he was able to cast the demons out and send them to a place, he consigned them. And that Jesus lives in your chest that Jesus lives in you if you've received him as Savior and Lord and received the empowering, the filling of his spirit to bring us to that sense of understanding of who we are now in him, then you need to understand. And I need to understand and live by it that the same authority that Jesus had to resist darkness and to call forth light and life exists within you and within me. Defending what's yours. Defending what's yours. Some would say, well, I've just surrendered everything unto the Lord. I've just surrendered everything unto the Lord. Let me tell you something. That doesn't mean you roll over, play dead, and act as if there is no encroachment from the enemy. To surrender everything unto the Lord means I've given him all that I have. Chief of all of that, I've given him my heart, my loyalty to him, to which he is able to say, I have put you there. You're the, you're the father of that family. You're the mother in that family. You are the owner of that business. I bless you with favor to set these things variously up in your life that they belong to you. And I'm expecting you on my behalf to exercise my authority in those places. When the devil looks at you, does he something like see something like that looking back at you? Th- does, he see, does he see something armed? Does he see something protected? Does he see something dangerous in his direction? That if he attacked that, he could expect a counterattack. Or does the enemy look at us, our families, the the, the things that God has given us, and he realizes and he acts on the basis of there will never be a response. I, I can move in and out. I can do what I choose to do basically because I'll never be challenged. Here's a word this morning. Believe the Lord is saying, if I've blessed you, then I have also called you to grow into the place of understanding who you are and what you have so that you can defend what I have given to you. Defend it. Defend it. Every mom in here, though, you may be and listening this morning, extremely docile and sweet and soft and kind, you know, so is a mother grizzly bear when her cubs are not being messed with. But when there is some threat to the safety of her cubs, something rises up within her and she's fearsome. Folks, and and I realize this can be a little bit of a difficult to juggle and find the spot. But there is something called godly anger. There is something called righteous indignation. Paul will say, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and sin not. There are some things that it's right to be angry about. And Paul will say, I want you to go ahead and if you would find your way to to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's, let's read this again. And he, he speaks in verse 3, chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, though we're in human bodies, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations, that's Logical patterns of thought make sense to the ones spewing them and the ones believing them, speculations. And every lofty thing, prideful thing, arrogant thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. A pistol can't take a thought captive. A nuclear bomb can't capture the thoughts and the emotions of people. What he's saying is the weapons of our warfare are such that, and the word here for thoughts, we're taking every thought captive, it's a word that means not just casual, random, lightweight, no big deal thoughts. It can also very specifically mean plots and designs for evil, evil thoughts, evil schemes, hurtful Wrong, painful thoughts. Able to take even those thoughts and cause them to bow at the feet of the Lord Jesus. But then he says, so, so Paul, who, who, do you, who, who, who are you able to do that for and with it? Do you have that universal power? No. No. That, that's where this matter of knowing your sphere, understanding your space, recognizing what God has given you, The family, the spouse, the children, the the, the place of influence and opportunity in in the secular realm, in your business, with your profession. Those things that that God, by His favor and His sovereign choice, has given to you. Paul would say it is in that sphere that I have authority. Look at verse 8. For even if I should boast somewhat further about our authority which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I shall not be put to shame. There was authority dispensed in the place where the Lord assigned him. Look at verse 13. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us, a measure to reach even as far as you. Here's here's another translation, New Living Translation, same verse. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority, outside our sphere, but we will boast only about what has has happened within the boundary of the work God has given us, our sphere, which includes our working with you. Paul's fear, given to him by God, was this group of Corinthian believers that he had been the one first to present Jesus and to lead them to faith in Christ. He was in a sense their spiritual father. And what he's saying by that is, as God has put me in that place, as God has positioned me in your life as a spiritual father, authority, his authority to do and be what I need to be in that realm to build you up, authority to build you up, not to tear you down, has also been made known to me, has been given to me. But when it is necessary for me to defend you, when it is necessary for me to fight for you, I will do it. I will do it. There's something about the recognition Something about the recognition that we as fathers, as mothers, as business owners trying to create a business that honors the Lord, and on and on and on we could go defining our spheres, it's vital that we understand that whatever God has given to you, Satan wants to steal from you or to destroy it. And there are times when it's not enough just to pray, oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, will you please do something? There are times when the Lord will say, I put you there. I've given you weapons. And I am calling upon you in that place at that time for those that I've given you the coverage for and protection of. I'm, I'm calling you to stand up and exercise the weapons that I have given you for their deliverance, for their protection, and for the enemy's defeat. He's in heaven. We're down here. We are here for the purpose of representing his rule and reign on the earth. And Just because he is there in that place called heaven and we are here, it does not mean that we're supposed to spend our time just waiting until we get to heaven. Where everything is settled and everything is fine and all bullets have stopped. But that there is a calling where you have been given something by God. You have also been given weapons to protect what He has given you. And again, it doesn't mean that there won't be attempts by the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. But it means that there will be weapons at your disposal if you choose to receive them, accept them, and use them. It can make a major difference. I want to suggest to you a few of those weapons this morning. The first one is this, and this may not seem so much as an active weapon that would be pulled up immediately in a situation. But this is something more like the launching pad for the the weapons that that would be used. But very powerful. It's, It's this one. A life of integrity. The weapon of living a life of integrity and honesty. The weapon of living a life of integrity and honesty. I want you to find the book of Job, if you would. Job chapter 1. And let me read, start reading in verse 7. Job 1-7. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house? And all that he has on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. And his possessions have increased in the land. And then Satan. But put forth your hand now. And touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. Skip over to the last chapter of Job. Just so we'll make sure we remember how this ends up. We can spend lot of time on the first two-thirds of the book of Job and never really get a grip on how it ended up. He was tested. He was tried. That measure of protection was lifted off of him. But look at chapter 42 and verse 12. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, and 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And he had seven sons and three daughters. Verse 16, after this Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. Many things can be said about the lessons in the book of Job. But for our purposes this morning, I want you to come back to that chapter 1 and verse 10. Satan says, have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. In other words, Satan is saying, I can't touch him. You have done something, God. For Job, that Satan described as a hedge, all the war around Job, not just Job as the person, but all of his family and everything that he had, that happened because the Lord saw him living a life of integrity and honesty, blameless in the ways of the Lord. I submit to you. But the Lord has ways of absolutely hindering and thwarting every scheme of advancement by Satan against us and everything that we have. He has the power and the authority to do it. So that Satan, you can't touch that one. You can't touch her. You can't touch what they have. You can't. And the background for that was that Job was a man who lived with integrity and honesty, and his his life before the Lord was a pure life. So so if we're we're driving 95 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour speed zone, or we're we're lying to beat the government, or, or our word can't be counted on, we're crooked as a dog's hind leg, as they'd say, it should not be a surprise to understand the Scripture says the way of the transgressor is hard. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, there's going to be a harvest coming back in. Now You, you don't plant a tomato seed and, and, and get a cucumber. You get back exactly what you have sown or I have sown in time and more of it. But when there is the realization, Lord, I want to love you. I want to please you. I want to be a son or a daughter that honors you. Even though we may not have everything that Job had materially, but the Lord knows that our hearts are to honor him and to love him. There can come a type of protection for a life of integrity and honesty that is not necessarily seen in other places. Paul sought to live in this place. So, so from that place of a life of integrity, he would, he would launch these weapons of his warfare. I want to suggest to you that there's, there's, another, there's another weapon. The weapon of our warfare first would be, as we mentioned here, a life of integrity. A life of integrity and honesty. That doesn't mean that we've never sinned. It means that when we sin, we confess those sins, bring it to the Lord, and we turn and go a different way. Lord, forgive me. I was wrong. I ask your forgiveness. I want to be clean, and I want to get up and go again. Yes, that's what that means. Job was not sinless, but Job kept finding himself living a life that would honor the Lord because he wanted that. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's another weapon. Of our warfare, and it's the weapon of an obedient life. The weapon of an obedient life. Now, I'm gonna tell you, listen, you can go sound asleep to this, sound asleep on any of this teaching, any of this truth, the Word of God. If you're really convinced, no, it's the physical that controls everything. If I can't see it, it doesn't mean anything. It's only the stuff I can see and hear audibly and in the natural that make any difference. Then you, my friend, are living a life that has absolutely no defense against the forces of darkness. You are a soft target because you won't even believe, you won't even accept that evil exists and evil in the invisible is what creates, causes, and activates evil in the natural, in the visible. But if you will accept what the Scripture will say, that good originates in the invisible just as much as evil originates in the invisible, and our invisible God has the power to protect us invisibly, but also to protect us visibly and bless us visibly. Deuteronomy 28 Moses speaking for the Lord to the children of Israel. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. If you will obey the Lord your God. And it says in verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon upon you and your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. He will bless you in the land, in the sphere, in the place which the Lord your God has given you. He doesn't say there will never be any enemies. He just states as a fact, when your enemies come, here's what you need to know. Because you have walked in obedience, seeking to honor me, to obey what I've given you, the way I've given you to live, then here's what's going to happen when the enemies come. To take from you that which God has given you, the Lord will enter the fight. God, who is a warrior, will enter the fight on your behalf and he will turn your enemies who came at you one way, he will rout them in seven ways. Folks, we're not always going to have enough money to lawyer up. We're not going to always have enough connections to get high-profile people to be a character witness. There are going to be some times when our only hope is this way. And I'm telling you, a weapon of your warfare is a life that has been living to the best of your ability, wanting to please the Lord. That even when you can't afford lawyers and you don't have high-powered friends, the King of all creation, the God of all glory is your Father. And Malachi will say, in that day, the Lord will spare a man who, who the father has, whose father has delighted in him because he served him. He says, you'll see a difference between the ones who have served God and the ones who haven't. Because the ones in a time of see in a season of testing will be spared like a father would spare his son who has served him. The invisible is in charge of the visible. The unseen determines the seen. If you let that in as a child of God, great hope, great hope, great hope, great hope. It doesn't matter who in the natural world approves you, applauds you, affirms you, blesses you, or condemns you, attacks you, tries to destroy you. If your Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I have been given all authority. If he is on your side, because you are on his side. So the launching pad for weapons, in a sense, to look at it that way, a life of integrity and a life of obedience. Jesus gave us two other weapons of our warfare when he taught us how to pray, you've heard us reference this many times, but I'm saying to you folks, there are some breakthroughs that will come in your life with people and situations that matter very much to you. If you'll receive this as a word of instruction and direction from the Lord to your situation, the disciple said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He started out with praise. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Set apart is your name. Our Father in heaven, not rooted and grounded on this earth, not under anything that is, that is over ones who live only on this earth. Our Father who is in heaven. And then Jesus makes two amazingly profound statements. Here's how you pray. Come, kingdom of God. Don't ask me for it. Don't petition heaven for it. You are the father's child. You are on this earth. It's the imperative mood. You command that the kingdom of God would come. The kingdom of God, Jesus would explain, only is to be found within the hearts of people. Paul would say, we're taking every thought captive. We're bringing down pride thoughts, the inside parts of people, in your situation, without having to understand everything, but you know there are people with with plots and designs and difficulties in the hearts and minds of people, the logic of people, to be able to exercise this weapon, not just one time and forget about it, but you see it as your place, a position, come kingdom of God. Come. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Come, presence of Jesus, come, presence of Jesus, into that heart. And into that heart, take the thoughts captive. Turn the emotions in such a way that they're loving you instead of offending you. Come, kingdom of God. Come, kingdom of God. Come, kingdom of God. Come, kingdom of God. Um. Sometimes it takes desperate situations where we have no other resources in order for us to get to this, but I'm telling you, there can be a righteous anger, there can be a, be a boldness because of intimidation, and the default position is to go exactly to the words of Jesus, into this situation, Lord. Bring the presence of Jesus. Bring the presence of Jesus. Bring the presence of Jesus. Meaning that as he rules that heart as king, he's going to throw out, disassemble, dismantle, discard the things that the enemy has been doing in that heart. Folks, listen, you've got to see that. You have to see that as a connection between Matthew 6 and the prayer of Jesus and what Paul was saying about the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare are strategically effective to take thoughts captive, to to dismantle faulty logic and to bring down pride. Jesus says, speak it, speak it. Come kingdom of God. To that heart right there, that life. It it, it isn't about fussing with a person. It isn't about having to threaten the person with some physical something. Because the person is being driven by that which is invisible and not visible. So So Paul is... He's not talking about a physical confrontation. He's miles away. He's probably in Ephesus as he writes the letters to the Corinthians. But he says, I am right now destroying speculations and so forth. He was hundreds of miles away exercising the weapons of his warfare. He would say, when I get there, if there's still repenting left to be done, change to be done, we'll deal with it then. But right now... All these miles away, hearing and seeing what's going on there that is false, that is hurting hurting my people, hurting my gift, I'm right now where I am. Come, kingdom of God. Take every thought captive. Bring down everything that's strong and raised up against you. And then the next thing that Jesus gave us, same thing, same command. Command my will to be done. Command my will. You don't have to ask me for my will to be done. This is how Jesus said pray. You say, be done, will of God. Be done. Folks, listen. If the enemy is coming to invade what God has given you, and he has never met with opposition, what's going to stop him from continuing the assault? But, If this drops 18 inches, and there's somebody or something in your sphere which God has given you, and you're realizing this was meant for me, it's not about me having to personally in my power and skill take on the devil. It means that I'm standing there in his authority, and I'm speaking back at the enemy the very words of Jesus, be done, will of God. Not the will of Satan. Satan's trying to bring what he wants. Will of God be done. Will of God be done. Paul would say in Ephesians 6 that we're clothed in spiritual armor. Breastplate of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, belt of truth. But then there's one offensive weapon that is listed and it's called the sword of the spirit. Remember that? The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. But the Word of God there, the Word is not the whole Bible. It's not the whole bookshelf. It's one word. Rhema. It's a rhema word. In the situation where you have found yourself with that which God has given you being assaulted, often the Lord by His Spirit will put a word of promise in your spirit of what he intends to do, what is his will. And that is the sword to wield against the enemy. And so we exercising the weapons of our warfare means that we speak no matter what it looks like, no matter what it seems like isn't happening, we make the choice to keep saying and keep speaking and keep directing in the direction of the enemy and pleasing heaven as we say this is what you promised lord 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 you say well how long do you have to do that till the fog lifts till the breakthrough comes. If the enemy has been entrenched for decades, generations against your family, your family line, he, he, he may just, it may take him a while to be dislodged. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty unto God for the pulling down of strongholds. And then there is that weapon. We'll stop on this, but there is that weapon of the name of Jesus. Of the name of Jesus of the name of Jesus speak the name of Jesus speak it over speak it into speak it under speak it on every side but refuse to give one ounce one inch of agreement in your heart to what the enemy's intent is it's the will of God that I'm believing and in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name daddies fathers is your family a soft target is your marriage a soft target Or is it it a target that when the enemy looks your direction, he sees somebody fully clothed in the armor of the Lord, backed up by the power of God to its full extent? Dad, don't you say, well, I'm just not as praying man. Well, you better become one. Morph into it by the power of the Spirit. Lord, show me. I I can't handle my sons. I can't handle my daughters. I can't handle these things that are happening. And the Lord will say, I've given you weapons. You go in your closet. You take out those weapons. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. I, I, you know, I don't have any proof that I could give you measurably, but I can just tell you, if the enemy finds you resisting him, he will begin to relinquish sooner or later his resisting of you, because he knows he's being met with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is no match. for the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll take this wherever you need to take it. I know there's some who are listening to me saying, well, I'm not a real spiritual person. I don't know of the Bible, I, 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 don't, this, I don't know I can do this. Lord, I pray that you would just, you would just open the shutters, open the, 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 the blinds, the curtains that have been causing us to be darkened in our understanding of those places and you would help us to see it and get it. That if you've given it to me, If you've given me a place, if you've given me a sphere, then you have also given me weapons to defend it. And that when we pray, Lord, show me how to use them. Show me what to do by your Spirit, Lord, we believe that you will. Take this Holy Spirit into the hearts of men and women who need to hear this and let them grow, explode in faith that there's a word from the Lord for their situation and that you would give us the tenacity to stay with it and stay with it and stay with it through to the victory that we can see and hear and hug one day. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen, Amen, Amen. I realize I'm a little lathered up today, but it's because I believe, I, I firmly believe that there are some folks listening to this and will hear this in the course of the time that this goes forth that, that God wants to use to bring a measure of freedom and relief, lifting a future and a hope where there has been, there's just been repeated assault, repeated assault, repeated assault because you're a soft target. But when you stiffen the resistance, and it's not you, but it's his name and his word and what he said he would do, and that's where your hope is, and you apply it, changes happen. Things come. Differences are made. Amen. Amen. Prayer partners, if you will make your way down here, please join me. And if you're here and we can pray with you along these lines. Or pray with you in this matter of receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord. It all starts there. Then we'd want you to do it. I ask you to stand, those of you who are here in this room, and I want you to leave with something. I want you to leave with something. It's that blessing from Numbers chapter 6 that Aaron was commanded to speak to the children of Israel. I want you to know these words. They're they're very, very striking and very, very encouraging when we let them. This is God's heart for you. These weren't perfect people. The children of Israel were not perfect. We know that. We aren't either. But this is his heart. Would you just open your palms before the Lord? We want to extend this blessing, this ancient blessing. The Lord, the Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Please come this way if we can pray with you and for you. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org Let us get a paragraph from you of just how we can pray in any kind of report of answered prayer. We get both and we love to get both. Our streaming family as well as those of you who would be here in this room, our intercessors look forward to being able to join with you in prayer. God bless you. God bless you. What He has given you He's given you weapons to defend. So be it. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Amen.